Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. I heard something really profound in worship to this morning, and I, so I wrote this down, and I just felt impressed to share this. And this was maybe more from me, but I thought it was worth sharing. The Lord said, if you will keep the fires of revival burning in your heart, I'll keep them burning in the church. I thought, you know what? That's how it's supposed to go. It's not about coming in and trying to amp everybody up, but you just keep yourself before the Lord and excited about what he's doing and who he is and how awesome he is, how good he is. And you just watch what it does to the people around you. Amen. Hallelujah. So I was going to wait until after Easter um, to, to start this message, but I really uh, felt the Lord say that I needed to start it today, and so I, I might continue it after Easter. But the Lord began to show me some of the most powerful things from the Word uh, the past couple of months, and just I've been revisiting some things that I hadn't been to in a while. And so I really felt impressed to share this. And so on a Wednesday night, it started a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night, I was going to start talking about discipleship on Wednesday nights. And the Lord said, no, this needs to be to everybody because Wednesday night's about half the crowd as we have on Sunday morning. The Lord said, no, everybody needs to hear this. And so I begin to talk about uh, discipleship and just the idea of restoring what the early day discipleship really looked like and what what it means to even be a disciple. And I started off talking about, and I didn't get past this, but I started off talking about really what, what false disciples are. And I'm going to hit that real quick, and then I'm going to move into some more uh, fun things about what a disciple really is. But a false disciple is just basically somebody who's, who's going through the motions and is pretending to be a part of the, f- the flock and part of the church of God, but they're just there and they're not growing. Because a disciple means a one who's learning. It's not one who has learned. Anybody that says that I've learned and they've gotten to a place where they think that they've arrived, that's a dangerous person to be around. Everybody needs to be a disciple, which means that everybody needs to continue learning in their relationship with the Lord. Amen. So a false disciple is somebody who comes in and they just stop growing. You know, the Lord, if he's called us all to be disciples, then it's not it's not an unfair thing for him to ask of us to continue growing in him. And so we all go through you know, streaks where we grow more than others, and that's not the issue. But you shouldn't ever get to a place to where you just sit and stay content. And I've, that's always kind of been in my nature. I'm always a very forward thing, and I make some people feel uncomfortable, but I just really don't care because I'm more interested in growing disciples than filling the chairs with people that don't learn anything. So it's my job, and I have people that disciple me, but it's my job for you to disciple you. In a sense, you are my disciple. You really are a disciple of the Lord Jesus, but the apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So it's right to have um, a living example in your life of people that have a vibrant relationship with the Lord. And I love what God's doing in our church because we've moved, and I've been reading about this lately, that this is something that this is a new, uh, not a new trend, but a right trend that needs to happen to where we move from having a, a self-centered focused on a one-man ministry to where it is a body, a body ministry, and we have elders and things that help lead and set the example. And I believe in having a pastor, apostle, people like that to lead the church. And I believe vision comes from that. God puts vision in the heart of a man, and people can follow that. But I am not your all in all. Jesus is your all in all. 
And he's given the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher all of that to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so for a lot of years, we've seen men become so elevated and then the men fall and then everybody else underneath of them falls. And so it's a really safe thing that when you don't elevate people, but you give them a place of honor in your life to, and draw from the gifting and the anointing that they have on their life, and that kind of honor, then you can draw from them. And then if that person falls, I'm not saying I'm going to fall, but if that person falls in your life, it doesn't destroy you because you've not placed them on a pedestal. You place the anointing and the gifting and the call of God on their life on the pedestal. So then what happens if the person falls, then God will bring somebody else in your life to fill those shoes, to continue to minister to you. Does that make sense? And so we need to move the church and our church is doing this. We're moving from having everything be about one man to where we have multiple people that have things to offer. Because as far as I, I can see, when I read the word, it wasn't that everybody went to the pastor when they needed something. In fact, you really don't see the word pastor mentioned hardly at all in the New Testament, but that's another thing for another time. Uh, some of you are going, what are you talking about? Well, I shouldn't even have said that. Anyways, we're just going to continue on here. <laughs> but you see the people going to the elders. You see the people going to multiple people above them that have the ability to speak into their life. There are things that I have that Laurie does not. There are things that she has that I do not. And the same for Ron and anybody else. And so, and I look at them as the elders God has set in this body at this time. But then beyond that, there's also all kinds of other gifts that are flowing through the body, prophetic gifts. And we've got, we have amazing musical, instrumental, worship, voice, singing gifts in this church. And I love the fact that we can come in and draw from that. And the Lord spoke to me a while ago when I was trying to figure out like, Lord, how do we do this? How do we make this be what you want to want it to be. And I basically, Ron and I just had the relationship to where only on a couple of times they'll say, Hey, we really need to be done at this time. Like when Mike and Carrie were here last year, I wanted to, I mean, last week, I wanted to give them as much time as since they're only here once a year. And he's like, yeah, that's great. But you know, most of the time, pretty much all the time, I just say, go until you're done. <laughs> go until the, you feel like the Holy Ghost says, okay, it's time to shift gears. And I love that. I love having that relationship because the, the ministry that goes on here, it's not all about me. I play a part that's really important, but it's about the body ministering to one another. And so as we remain faithful to the Lord and faithful to each other, watch how God will promote you. You know, when people, I just want to throw this out. This is kind of a side note, but when people want to be promoted within a body, you need to understand something that promotion doesn't go this way. Promotion goes this way. The higher up you go in the Lord, the more of a of a servant you really become. And so be careful what you ask for and why you're asking for something. If you think that uh, you want to become the pastor of a church because I get my, you know, two hours a week or whatever of my shining glory, you don't know what all the other hours of the week are like. And I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying that's, if I, it, it's not worth it <laughs> just to have my, my time in the pulpit just to share or whatever. But this is my time. I love to be able to pour into people um, all at once and be able to share my heart and share God's heart with you all. So I do love that time. But anyways, when it, when it comes to being promoted, it's all about having a heart to serve people. And so whenever people want to be promoted and I can see in them that they're looking for promotion because they want to display their gifts, because they want to display, you know, how wonderful they can do things, you automatically disqualify yourself when you do that. God's not looking for superstars. He's looking for super humble servants is what he's looking for. And your gifts and talents and anointings that God's given you, the lower you go, the more he'll be able to use that stuff. 
Because those things didn't come from us anyways. They came from him. And so they're only going to operate, operate properly through a humble heart before him. And so when some people say, well, I feel like the pastor looked over me and I'm not getting the promotion that I think that I need or deserve, there's probably a reason why you got passed over because the harvest field is white for harvest, but the laborers are few. I'm looking for some good men and women who I can say, yes, take that and run with it. And if, you know, listen, if, if you've been in a place where you feel like that you were fitting in that category, I'm not coming down on you. I'm just trying to give you some understanding as how that works. And so sometimes we have to go back and reevaluate ourselves. And I've had times in my life before pastoring that I would step back and say, God, why aren't, why aren't things working right? I tried to go forward and I don't seem to be going forward or up, upward very well. What's going on? And I could almost always go back and pinpoint that there was something in me that the Lord was saying. If you get elevated, if you get elevated with that thing in your heart, it's going to destroy other people, but it's also going to destroy you. It's the mercy of God that he holds us back from things. For years, Liz and I were saying, God, we want to see the church grow. We want to see more people come in. And now lately, we're, we're seeing numerical growth and we're going, oh God, thank you for holding back the people from coming in because three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, we would not have known what to do with them. And so I've had to come to a place to where I've repented before the Lord of ever having anything in my heart of saying, God, I want to promote Kent's ministry. And that's the thing is that we don't really, nobody really thinks that. Maybe a few squirrel bags do that, but most people, squirrel bag, I don't know if that's a word, but anyways, or a phrase, that's not a thing. There's a few squirrely people that would do that. I think I mix, I don't know what I mix together. It's a mixed nuts of whatever, anyways. There are some squirrely people that would do that, but it's usually more subtle. You'll have some people that would say, I want to promote my ministry, but it's usually more subtle. And we, what we don't realize is it's areas that we have insecurity and that we're looking for validation that if we can be promoted to some level, then we're going to have that thing met in us to make us feel validated. If you're looking to be validated by putting yourself in front of people, you're looking for the wrong thing. Because for every amen you get, you usually, not anymore so much with me, but it used to be this way before. It was like, amen, pastor, I really needed that. And I would get, you know, some crazy emails. I would get some, I would get some people saying, you know, you, you preach too uh, long or you preach too hard or da, 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 da. And so the negative always seemed to outweigh the positive. And so the thing that was lacking in me as far as having some identity shirt up, it didn't come from people and nearly destroyed me. Now that my identity is founded in Christ, I mean, I, it doesn't bless me when people don't like me or like my ministry, but I'm not hanging my hat on it. I'm going to go home at the end of the day. And on Sunday night, I'm going to enjoy my family. And on Monday, I'm going to enjoy my day with my family. That's my day off. And so uh, I'm not going to hang my head anymore if things don't go just like I want, or I don't get my ego stroke just like I want, because it's not about whether people like what I'm doing or not. It's about just being obedient to the Lord. And what I found is that the more secure I am in him, the more he's able to raise me up. Because if, if you will die from the criticisms of men, then that means you're trying to get your life from the praises of men. Or you could say it the other way, that if you're, if you're thriving off of their praises, then you're going to die from their criticism. So if you get to a point and you are just doing everything so swell and you get elevated and you have all of this people going, man, you're just so awesome. We just da, 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 da. And you're going, man, it's thank you, Jesus. But on the inside, you're like, yeah, you really did it, man. That was a great start. Ooh, remember when you said that one thing? That was, woo. <laughs> and then what happens is you get to this place 
And then before you know it, you start having criticisms come out and it completely destroys you. Why? Because your identity was founded in what you're doing and not who you are. Amen. Your identity is in him. It's not in the thing that you do. Crazy important. Amen. So I want to talk about discipleship and I want to start with, and what I'm going to get into over the next couple of, couple of times is I'm going to get into talking about um, really just characteristics of what a disciple looks like, but I want to talk about the, the nature of what a disciple looks like, and this is something that I looked in my, my own life, and some of you are going to laugh probably when I say this or, or want to laugh, but think I'm being arrogant, but... I realized that I've been a disciple of the Lord Jesus for a long time. Why? Because I continue to learn. But then when I I got to thinking, why is it that I continue to learn? It's because I'm a humble person. And some of y'all are thinking, wait a second, if you're humble, aren't you not supposed to admit it? You know, it says in Exodus that Moses was the most humble man in all the earth. And do you know who wrote Exodus? <laughs> Moses wrote Exodus. See, being humble, I've heard it, I heard it and, or just watched it for years that, you know, people will be like, oh, I'm nothing but a worm. I'm just, you know, gosh, I just can't do anything right. People would say, oh, they're just so humble. No, they're not. Their focus is all on them and their inability. That's not humility. You're looking at yourself. And then you have, you know, people on the other end that would be like, here I am. And they would say, well, you know, they're, you know, they're not humble. And that's true. But humility is when you can think and know soberly and confidently who you are in Christ Jesus. So when the Lord says something about you, you can just say, thank you. But you're not saying, thank you, Lord. I know I'm awesome. You know you know that it's him that gave you that quality, that characteristic, that gifting. It didn't, it didn't come. I mean, it didn't come from your ability. It came from him. So that's where humility is. That humility is being able to be honest about who you really are. And when you can see where you're at, if it's not good, you can change. If you can't recognize where you're at in your walk with the Lord, you can't change. You have to identify the problem first. And so I've recognized for a lot of years, I'm not saying I've never dealt with any pride issues. Man, everybody's, everybody. If you don't think that you've got some pride things to work through, you're only kidding yourself. Everybody has pride things to work through. It's human nature. But overall, I've lived a life of being humble before the Lord, and it's caused me to grow. It's caused me to be able to do the things that the Lord wants me to do because I stay, I stay at his feet all of the time. And when I say all of the time, um, there, are, there are moments, there are days, and shoot, I've had some weeks and months, but I always come back to a place to where I go, Lord, it's not me, it's you. And when you stay in that place, God can grow you up the way that he wants to grow you up. He can promote you. He can do the things in your, in your life that he wants to do with you. Amen. So I want to talk about humility a little bit more. I'm going to pull this. Let's go to Job chapter 41. Job chapter 41. And this is an interesting place to talk about, um, to talk about pride and to talk about humility. Um, but I want to pull this up. And can we pull Job 41 verse 15? Job 41, 15 and 16, actually, I want to pull up on the screen. If we can pull that up, I want to see this together. Job 41, 15 and 16. 
Look at this right here. And so just to give you a little background what this is talking about, this is talking about the fire-breathing dragon. And I'm not sure if, it, if he's a was a fictional thing. I think probably a fictional thing that Job, that it was talking about in Job, but a fire-breathing dragon like a sea serpent called uh, Leviathan. And this is something I've learned about lately. But it, Leviathan, it paints a picture of Leviathan and what it's talking about. And Leviathan represents pride. This all comes from the word. This isn't some weird thing. Well, it is actually pretty weird, but it is straight from the word of God. But it says, so when it says his, this is talking about Leviathan. It says, his rows of scales are his pride, shut up tightly with the seal. And so if you've ever seen a scale, like a hard scaly animal, like you, you might see like in some movie with a fire breathing dragon, it's that kind of a picture. Verse 16, it says, one is so near another that no air can come between them. And so the picture is, is that it's got all of these layers of scale and the rows of scales are his pride. And it says they're so tight together that no air can come between them. Air represents the moving of the spirit. When you find somebody who's walking in pride, selfishness, self-promotion, and not humility, the moving of the spirit won't happen in their life. So when I find somebody, and my heart is always to help everybody, but when I find somebody where there's no movement happening in their life, they're not growing, they don't experience the Lord. They never have any revelation. They're not kind to other people. And all, you can make a whole list of what it looks like for somebody to not grow, to not change, to not experience the moving of the spirit in their own life. When I see somebody like that, my immediate heart is let's help them change. And when they don't change, then you have to do some different things. Otherwise, they end up causing you know, problems or damage or whatever. But the point is, is that when pride is there, that it doesn't allow the moving of the spirit in their life. And so when you find someone that just says, oh, I just never get anything when I read the Bible. I just, I mean, I read and read and read and read and read and I just don't get anything. I've had people tell me that. I can't tell you how many people have told me that. You know what that is? It's pride. It may not, they may not like to hear that. And if that's you, you may not like to hear that. But there's a, there's a layer of pride there that when you go before the Lord, that you, you don't have enough room in your thinking. You don't have enough room in your how you process things for the Lord to come in and breathe life into you. And that's the picture that's being painted here with this. And so, and they're looking at some other things here in James 4, 6, it says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, grace is, grace is the power of God for any area of your life. That's a simple one simple definition of grace. And so if you're missing something in your life that you need to overcome something, to walk through something, just to manifest something, a relationship issue or whatever, you need God's grace to see that thing come to pass in your life. Amen. I mean, God's grace is sufficient for us, but it says that he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And so this is begs the question, if we're not seeing grace in an area to cover the thing, to fix the thing, to empower the thing, we need to step back and go, Lord, is there an area of pride that's happening in me that's causing me to not receive and manifest the grace that you have for me? Those are strong words in the New Testament. Sometimes we might like to say, oh, God would never resist me because he's given me Jesus. Look, he has given you Jesus. And if you've been born again, you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, all that stuff. That's awesome. It's powerful. If you're in pride, it says that he resists the proud. Because the, the Lord's kingdom operates on humility. When you look at the very life, when you look at creation, 
And the fact that God created the entire world, and before he created the world, he knew that the world was going to turn his back on him. How do we know that? Because it says that Jesus was the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. God already knew, and he already had a plan in place. Jesus lowered himself or humbled himself all the way to the point of not just death, but even before that, he had everything happening really great in heaven. (laughs) and lowered himself to the earth, I think that when we get to heaven, we're going to realize what a sacrifice he made. And we're going to go, oh my, you gave this up to come. Oh my gosh, wow. I think we'll just have a whole nother layer of God's love lavished on us when we see that. But the truth is he came from heaven in perfection and came to the earth. He lowered himself. He humbled himself. And think about this. The very people that you created, because Jesus was there at the beginning. He was there. The very people that you created, they didn't kill him. He gave up his spirit. Remember that. It's very important. The very people that you created, that he created, he allowed to take him. You know, he knew knew Judas was going to betray him. It was prophesied that it was going to happen. And, he, and we're going to get to John 13 in another week or two. Man, powerful stuff. Don't go there yet, Ken. Oh, man, it's so powerful. But he knew that Judas was going to betray him. Oh, Jesus. And he still washed his feet. Stop, Kent. You're giving away your, your revelation for later. He knew, he knew Judas was going to betray him, and he washed his feet anyways. so powerful. Thank you, God. Man, thank you, God, for washing my feet, (laughs) knowing everything I was going to do wrong. Jesus. Man, this is a holy moment. Stand to your feet right now. You say, are you done preaching? No, this ain't the altar call. This is just the mid-altar call. It's not the end one. It's the mid one. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I have no idea why I had you stand to your feet, but I'm just telling you now, you need to soak this up. Jesus knew. In John chapter 13, it says that he knew the one that was going to betray him. Yet it says that he went and washed all of their feet anyways. Jesus modeled what discipleship looked like perfectly. He humbled himself. He lowered himself. He could have stopped Judas. He could have done something to stop Judas, but yet he knew he was going to betray him and he allowed it to go on so that he could go all the way to the point of the cross for you and me. That's how humble the God is that we serve. That's the kind of humility that he walks in. Oh man, I'm telling you, this is powerful. You can have a song cut you right to the heart, but you can have one verse, one word that will cut you right to the heart. And it was like, when I said that, it was just like I felt the sword just go straight through a whole bunch of us at one time. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. How many of y'all getting what I'm, the Lord's laying down? It's not even me. Man. Jesus. He washed your feet before. He washed your feet before you even did anything wrong. He humbled himself 
and got to the point of doing whatever was necessary to clean you up, even though you didn't deserve it and I didn't deserve it. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, you can be seated. I don't know why I had you stand up, but I just felt like it just felt like a holy moment and we should just stand up. And so anyways, y'all still awake? Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Whew. Man, I'm telling you. One revelation, one word from God can change your life forever. Man. So this attitude of humility is it, it came from Jesus. This is a kingdom principle. And it's what disciples are supposed to walk in. It's the nature of a disciple is they, they walk humbly before the Lord. And if you're not having any moving of the spirit in your life, it's an indication that pride is leading you and not humility. And so that's when we come back and go, Father, I don't want to be resisted. I want to receive grace in my time of need. Amen. Let me give you a little bit more of this from the word about how this looks and how this works. In Philippians chapter 2, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19, I'm just going to read this really quickly. It says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. And this is Paul writing this. He said, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may, may be encouraged when I know your state. Now listen to these words. This is incredible. He says, for I have no one, no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. You know, when you read the writings of the Apostle Paul over and over and over and over and over, he talks about being of one mind, being of one accord, preferring other people ahead of yourself. There was this, this attitude, this picture that started with Jesus. We've seen it in the life of Jesus and the, his death on the cross being the epitome of it, of the humility. And then we saw the Apostle Paul in his writings, how he described this so much, and you can hear his frustration in the writing here. He says, for I have no one like-minded. Timothy was the only one like-minded to him according to what he was saying. Think about that for a second. How many people did Paul know when he wrote Philippians? Bunches, a lot of people. He knew tons of people. He knew ministers all over. He had many converts in many different locations. I don't know how many thousands of people were under his apostolic authority, and he had set other leaders, other uh, uh, elders in those different places to watch over and to shepherd the churches that he helped to plan and start. Paul knew a lot of people. And he said, Timothy was the only one like-minded. He was the only one that would sincerely care for their state and, and how they were really doing. Cause he said, I'll seek their own. This is something that is a trend in the church back then. And it is now. And if we are going to see the power of God on the level that the Lord wants to see and to see the, not just the book of Acts church revived, but even greater than the book of Acts church revived, then we have to get back to some things that are very important and promoting and uplifting other people above ourselves is one of the basic foundational things that we're supposed to do. We have to do that. That has to be part of our life and a part of our, our nature and our character. If we're really disciples, that's really what we're supposed to do. And so he said that all, that all seek their, their own and so we see this, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but we see this in the way that ministry is done nowadays. And I'm not against good, solid leadership. I believe in leadership. People are, are scattered like sheep who have no shepherd. People need shepherds. They need people to, to mother them, to father them, to help them, to teach them, to disciple them. We need that. But I can tell you this, 
that the revival that we are embarking upon, that we are in, and there are many other churches that are experiencing what we are, not, not enough, but across the United States, the re- we're in revival. Some of us just haven't really realized, if we just look back where we were a year ago to where we are now, we are in revival. We're experiencing the revival, fire, anointing, power, healing of God. Everything that, not everything he has to offer, offer actually just the, the tip of the iceberg. But it's only going to increase with good, with good leadership, good mothering, and good fathering, with hearts and people to invest into other people, but to stop promoting one man and to promote Jesus you see, this goes back, this is in human nature. Men love to have people sing their praises. Come on now, this is in human nature. And people love to sing the praises of men. This is why the children of Israel, they didn't have a king, they had judges. And now they did have, they did have leaders. They had prophets that led them, that heard from the Lord and spoke to them. And they had priests and things like that. But they didn't have a king that looked like the rest of the world. But they came to, and they cried out to Samuel, and they said, we want a king. We want to be like the other nations. We want a king. And so Samuel said, you don't want this. And then he went and inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, give him a king, but tell him that they're going to regret this day. And so the Lord granted them what they wanted, but they ultimately ended up regretting just as the Lord spoke that they promoted a king. You know, in our culture, people love to say, my pastor this, my pastor that. Oh, he just do to do to do to do. He's just funny. He just, his wife's just so pretty. And they, and they love to elevate just this, this glorious thing. This, this is not about Liz and I. You understand me? This is not about Liz and I. I mean, she's really pretty, but this is not about Liz and I. I know how to work this. This is about the body functioning like it's supposed to function. Because for a long time, see, Jesus has set the fivefold as the, as the head of the church, right? And for a long time, you've had not even really those functioning properly, but some of them functioning properly, and the people are saying, yes, we love you, we love you, we love you, and them standing there going, thank you. All the praise has been going back to man. Something's got to flip and shift, and I'm telling you, here it is. It's changing here. You say, well, when are you going to stop preaching so much? God's called me to lead and shepherd. I'm going to preach, and I'm going to teach, and I'm going to minister to you, but understand this. All the praise always goes back to him. When you come in here to worship God, it shouldn't be, oh, we just can't wait to hear what the message is today, or I can't wait for a goosebump. You know the goosebumps become idolatry? It's quiet in here. You've never had a goosebump? That might be a good thing at this point. <laughs> never been able to idolize it. But I mean, some people, they're just like, oh, I just, I just love the way it feels in there. Just, ooh, it just, mm. And I'm like, Ugh. It's not about your goosebump. It's about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who sits on the throne, 
the one who loved you, the one who created you, the one who died and paid the price and rose again and is seated in the heavenly places and we're seated with him. And when we come in here, yeah, we get goosebumps sometimes. Yeah, we get some great feelings. Yeah, we get some breakthrough, but it's not about what we get from him. It's about what we give to him. He's given and laid down everything for us. When we come into the place of worship here, and when we're driving down the road and wherever we are throughout our, our day, it's always about him. It's always about promoting him. And Paul said, I have no one like-minded for all seek their own. How come Paul couldn't have had a multiple people that he would say, hey, you and you and you, the Philippians need help. I need you to go down there and make sure that they're well cared for. It's the same problem that I've seen in churches for many years is that there are people and when you find a pastor who's not trying to promote himself or whatever kind of leader is not trying to promote himself and they need help because they're even in this size church, I, I, can't, I can only take care of probably about 25% of the needs in this church personally. It's too much. And even that is like too much for me. There's so many needs. And I would, I would sit all day long like Moses. He was sitting all day long. And his father-in-law came to him and said, look, you got to put leaders over the tens, leaders over the fifties, leaders over the hundreds and over the thousands, I think were the numbers that he said. He said, you, you got a delegator. You're going to wear yourself out. So I'm, I'm learning and I have learned and we're delegating in, in all kinds of different ways. But what I've found is that there are some pastors that they want to do everything just because they want to have their name on everything. But there's many pastors that they're not able to trust people because they can't find anyone with a heart for anybody else that they find people who and if you go back and you look in Philippians earlier he talks about that people have selfish ambitions you know what selfish ambitions are personal ambitions they come into the church see this is getting next door to a few of you and I don't know what to tell you besides I'm just telling you the truth they come into the church and their whole goal is to find a way to take their gifting, their anointing, their talents, their abilities that are God-given and find a way to, to raise up their ministry on somebody else's platform. You know that I can't trust people like that. I won't trust people like that. I've found, I believe with everything in my heart, now there are many of you that are like this, but as far as looking at elders, I have two that God has given me that I've found nothing in them that says that I'm self-seeking, self-serving, looking to promote my own ministry, and I will serve and help and minister to the body any way that I can. I, I can't tell you what a blessing that is. I cannot even describe to you. And I know that some of you are going, man, I'm that way too. I believe that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's only two. But what I am saying is that this is a problem. I heard a man an awesome man of God, I considered he wasn't perfect, but I considered him to be a, a father in the faith. His name was Derek Prince, and he died years ago. Um, just he had some incredible writings and teachings and stuff. Doctrinally, had some great understanding on things. And he said, and I heard him say this, and I quote, the number one problem in the church is people with personal ambitions. You understand that back in the Old, Old Testament, I'm sorry, back in the, the New Testament, but in the old church, the original church, that it says that they had all things in common, even to the point to where they went and sold all of their goods, their possession, and their lands, and they brought them the money, and they laid it at the apostles' feet so that they could distribute it as it was needed. 
Some of you are thinking, man, do I have to sell all my property and give it to you? No, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I think that was a unique thing for that time or whatever, okay? Don't misunderstand me. But to have that kind of heart for the church and for people, that you would be willing to say, Lord, I'll lay everything down in my life because of the unity, because of what you're doing here. I care about the people and I care about the gospel going forth. Folks, we don't see that in our day to day. And we see that in this church and it's growing more and more and more all the time. But I'm telling you, this is foundational for revival to manifest and continue and to extend on a greater level as people have to come to a place to where they're selfless and they just walk in humility. It's the very nature of a disciple because a disciple is not one who just follows another man, but ultimately it's one who follows Christ and not just takes his teachings and go, you know, and takes a sermon on the mountain, blessed is he who does this and blessed is he who does that. But what's the nature of Jesus? What was he like? Everything, everything about him screamed that he was humble. Everything about our God screams that he's humble and he'll lay himself down continually. Greater love is no man than he lay down his life. Jesus did that. He, and how did he do that? Because he was humble. He had, he had every right. <laughs> he had every right to stand on his, sit on his throne or stand on a soapbox and say, I'm not gonna die for all you people. But that wasn't his heart. He could have said, I'm not going to make a way for you to be right with me. But that wasn't his heart. He was so full of love and he humbled and he lowered himself. And this is why Paul says, I can't find anybody like this. I don't know anybody that's like this. I only have Timothy that I can send to you. Look at what he says when he writes to Timothy in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, I'm going to read it real quick. It says in verse 1, it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, etc. It goes on with this whole list. But it says, notice it says that men will be lovers of themselves. You know that if you love yourself, you're not, when he's talking about loving yourself, he's, ta- he's not talking about it in a healthy way. You need to love yourself in a healthy way. But he's talking about pride and arrogance and just seeking after your own needs and your own desires, things like that. That's what he's talking about here. And he said there's going to come a time when he calls it perilous times, and then the first thing he says is that men will be lovers of themselves. We, we have to, so this, when I was reading this, and just even last night, the Lord was showing me some things that he wanted me to share. I was reading that, and the Lord said, you need to, you need to share this verse, and it's a protective order for the church. Because selfishness doesn't belong here. Thank you, thank you. Fortunately, my identity is not wrapped up in the number of amens that I get. But just so we're in agreement. And I'm not going to take time to do this, but you could go and look at all of the verses in the Bible that talk about pride, that talk about selfishness. It's a destructive lifestyle anyways, but it's very destructive for a church to have selfishness rampant through it. And I'm so thankful that as a whole, we don't, but I'm just throwing it out there as a, as a pre-warning to our flesh that we're not going to operate on that level. We're going to stay humble before one another. And look, it looks this way too. People, people, people come in and people got issues, man. 
You got some issues too, just so you know. But people have issues. Humility says we're going to find a way to reach out to them and love them. Even if they don't change in the first two months or six months or a year. There's just people that you just, it takes a while of striving with them and they grow. If they're not growing at all, that's one thing. But if they grow a little bit here and there, well, praise God. Thank God for the growth and you just continue loving them. Man, aren't you glad that God did that with us? I look back at my, I look back at my life and I think, if I was God, I'd have cut me off years ago. Aren't you so glad he didn't? So we have the same responsibility to humble ourselves and to love people right where they're at. Doesn't mean you tolerate a bunch of goofy stuff and a bunch of wrong stuff and bad influence and all that, but you just have to love people. Let me show you one more verse in Acts chapter 20. One of my favorite passages of scripture. This is Paul ministering to the leaders from the church of Ephesus. And this was basically the first minister's conference. And so he was in Miletus. And so this is Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. Acts 20 and 17. It says, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia and what manner I always lived among you. I want you to notice something. This was the Apostle Paul. Jesus was apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, all rolled into one. The apostle Paul was an apostle. Next to Jesus, he was the great, in my opinion, he was the greatest apostle that ever lived. He wrote two-thirds, roughly, of the New Testament. Powerful man of God, seen many signs and wonders, great miracles, shook entire regions with the power of God. Tremendous amount of converts, enough to plant churches here, there, and everywhere, and to oversee them. Awesome man of God. And it says, for you know from this day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. Leaders have to be at a place to where they're accessible to people. Now, I am, I've learned to not always be available, but I am always accessible. So there's times when I have to say, I, I'm only human. I can only take so much, right? And so Mondays, I, I try to shut my phone off and just stick with my family. It doesn't always work too well, but I try to do that. So I'm not always accessible, but my heart is to always be available with people. And I've had some people look at me strange because before services, I stay in my office till I come out here. <laughs> you may not know this, but that's out of humility and not out of pride. Some ministers might do that because they don't want to touch people. I love people. I'll hug people. I'll pray with them. I'll cry with them. I'll laugh with them. But I've learned that people have needs, and when they come to me, I can only handle so much, and out of humility, I guard my mind and my heart and my office right before I come out to give you something precious from the Lord because I'm not strong enough to handle everything all at once. That's humility because my heart is just go around, shake hands, love on people, and whatever all the time. I can only handle so much. I've learned to set boundaries around myself. But I do live among the people, and the Apostle Paul did that. But I want you to look at this next part. It says, you know how I lived when I was among you. And it says in verse 9, serving the Lord with all humility. Here was the great Apostle Paul making a statement that humility was a part of his life, a part of who he was, and how he functioned and did things. Humility is, the, is really the nature of a disciple. And I'm going to go on and, and the next time that we talk about this, and I'm going to talk about characteristics that are that are in disciples. And I'm telling you now, it's, some of this is going to, it's going to, 
It might be the most powerful teaching that I've ever, this was all really good, but this was a precursor to what I'm getting ready to do. It might be the most powerful teaching that I will have ever done. So you're going to be really glad and blessed by hearing it. But humility is, is the thread that runs through everything that has to do with, with the disciple. And again, a disciple is one who is learning, not just one who has learned. If you have learned and you quit learning, you used to be a disciple and you're no longer one. So if you, you get to a point where you're like, look, I know the look. I know the look. I've learned. I've learned. I can read people pretty good. And I'll preach, and I can be saying the most powerful stuff. And they'll look at me like, oh, yeah, I already know that. It doesn't matter how many times you hear one thing. You can never learn too much of the Lord, of who he is, and of what his word says. You can never learn too, you can never learn too much. Never. My philosophy is that when I go to hear somebody minister the word, I either want to learn something I don't know, add revelation to what I already do know, or just to bring confirmation, I guess, to what I already know. But my heart is always to just be there and say, Lord, what do you have for me? I've noticed this when I go to talk about walking in love. Just be on guard. I'm going to talk about walking in love here before long again. Why? Because there is nothing more powerful than people that walk in love with each other and that no one understand the love that God has for them. It's just so you know what's coming down the pipeline. So just be prepared to just go, amen, amen, amen. And you know what? Go ahead and try to fool me. <laughs> Make me believe you're really receptive. But when you go and minister on things like that, people have a tendency to go, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard this stuff about walking in love. I, I know this. If you're saying that, you're probably the one that needs to hear it the most. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. You can never hear about the love of God too much. How can you talk about something too much that has no end to it? There's no end to the love of God. How could you possibly exhaust that topic? You can't. So humility has to lead us all the way. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me? Just let me bless you. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.